0: You must know the times, answers to 25 essential questions on end-time prophecy, a powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. The world is spiraling out of control at an alarming pace. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods devastate entire communities. Global pandemics kill hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness threaten our societies. Political instability and the threat of war increase hostilities between nations. The birth pangs of distress are getting more intense each day. The question is, what do all these things mean, and where is this world headed? Unfortunately, at a time when people need answers the most, many do not know about the end times. You Must Know The Times, Answers to 25 Essential Questions on End-Time Prophecy, is an eye-opening book that is specifically designed to educate readers on a wide range of subjects concerning the last days. This book will equip you to discern the times in which we now live. You will learn what the Bible says about the signs of the times. The conflict in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, the Battle of Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, the Return of the Lord, and many more essential topics. Discover the powerful message the Book of Revelation has for Christians, and the perils that await a rebellious world. The Lord warns, Look, I am coming like a thief. The one who is alert and remains clothed, is blessed. Therefore, it is vitally important that you must know the times. Be aware, be informed, and most of all, be prepared for things to come. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. At this time, just put our hands together and receive Dr. Dennis Woods as he comes and takes us through some interesting passages in Scripture.
1: Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be here again. And to see everyone here on tonight, and those of you that are online, strap in and get ready. We're going to have another exciting episode. We do thank God for our host, uh, uh, Pastor Dr. Uh, Carl King, and in in her absence, Dr. J, my wife, a lovely wife who is here, uh, Deacon Daniels who came to support us, and all of the other uh, individuals that are online. And we uh, thank God for all of you in Jesus' name. So tonight we're going to be talking about the Antichrist, a.k.a. the beast. The information taken from uh, tonight's topic is going, uh, going to coincide with chapters 8, 9, 10, and 22 in my book, Glory to God. So let us read the main text that we find, uh, probably the largest amount of text uh, on the Antichrist or also known as the beast. And that is found in Revelation chapter 13. We're going to be first start out reading verses 1 through 8. Glory to God. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy and the beast which thy sawest was like a leopard and his feet was the feet of a bear and his mouth is the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power his seat and great authority and I saw one of his heads as it was wounded to death And the deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? In verse number five, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemy. And power was given unto him to continue 42 months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and to them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship him, listen to this qualifier now, whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So let's just def- get into a few definitions. The word antichrist comes from the Greek word antichristos which means an opponent of the Messiah or instead of. first and second John is the only place he is called the antichrist in the entire Bible He's only used five times in the Bible as a matter of fact the synonymous term for the antichrist is the beast and the Greek word for that is and Therion and it means a dangerous animal venomous wild a beast as opposed to the more tamed animal with the Greek word is zoon, zoon, where we get our English word zoo. Now there are some other names for the Antichrist. We need to take a look at them. Uh, There's uh, several, but we have five of them here. He is called in Daniel 8.23, he is called the king of fierce countenance. In Daniel 7 and eight, he's called the little horn. In Matthew 24 and 24, he is called the false Christ. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he is called the man of sin. And in the same verse, he is also called the son of perdition. So now we're going to look at some of the characteristics of the Antichrist. He receives his authority directly from Satan. That's Revelation chapter 13, verse number two. The world will worship the beast. The whole world will worship him. Verse thirteen, uh, chapter thirteen, verse number four. He will speak great things and blasphemes against God. Revelation 2 Thessalonians two, four, Daniel seven and eight. He opposes all that is called God or that is worshiped and calls himself God. Second Thessalonians chapter three, chapter two, verses three and four. He will break the peace treaty with Israel and take away their right to offer sacrifices at their temple. Just as we covered last week, just as Antiochus Epiphanes did, the king of Syria, 167 BC. He will kill the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11. He will place the abomination of desolation. That's his image and go into the holy place, sit down and call himself God in the most holy place of the temple. Daniel 9, 27, Matthew 24. Revelation chapter 13 and 14, 13 verses 14 and 15. He will make war with the saints. Revelation chapter 13, verse 7, Daniel 7, 25. He and the false prophet will cause the people of the world to receive the mark of the beast without no one can buy a sale or end up being jailed or put to death. Revelation 13 verses 16 through 18. He will launch a preemptive attack on Babylon the Great and destroy her in one hour. Revelation 17 verse 16 he would gather the armies of the world to fight in the battle of Armageddon. Revelation 17, 12 through 14, 19 and 19. When the Lord returns, he along with the false prophet will be thrown alive into the lake of fire. That's final hell. Glory to God. Revelation 19 and verse 20. Satan which is the dragon in Revelation, the Antichrist, which is the beast, and the false prophet are known as the unholy trinity. Now, let's talk about the characteristics of this individual. Daniel gives us some uncanny descriptions of his character. Daniel 8 25 from the New American Standard Bible. This is what he says, what it says. And through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. He will magnify himself in his heart. In other words, he will be a shrewd man and a master of working the lie. I want you to listen to this. Webster's Dictionary defines deceit as an act of causing someone to accept accept as true or valid that which is false or invalid. I just wonder if we can look around today and see any of that going on. Glory to God. He will cause... Deceit to succeed by his influence. In other words, Antichrist will be the master at causing lies to prosper. Deceit and deception will be his strength. He will master, he will be a master of turning any truth into a lie and any lie into the truth. Because of his influence, he will cause those under his influence to back his lies. His characteristic, he gets it. Directly from Satan, who is the father of lies. You have to watch people who will lie and cause people to believe the lie. Look around today, see if you Another one of his characteristics, the king will do whatever he wants. Reading from Daniel eleven thirty six, 36, home and standard, uh, uh, standard Bible. He will do whatever he wants. He will exalt and magnify himself above every God and he will say outrageous things against the God of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed because what has been decreed will be accomplished. Daniel eleven, thirty six. 36. He will do whatever he wants, ladies and gentlemen. Antichrist will not follow protocol or international statesmanship. He is a nonconformist who will not follow established political norms nor rules. He will think himself to be above the law. He will magnify himself in his heart. Antichrist will be self-exalting, self-serving, self-aggrandizing, and arrogant. He will say outrageous things. Antichrist will be known for saying outrageous, disrespectful, and insulting things. He will be successful. No matter what he does or what others try to do to him, he will come out on top. Nothing will stick to him. No accusation, no charge. He will be successful. This is what Daniel says about him. 11.36. Daniel 11.36. Daniel 11.39. He will greatly honor those who acknowledge him, him and make them rulers over many. I'm reading directly for the Bible. Antichrist will desire affirmation and praise and acknowledgement from those who are loyal to him and those who honor him and kiss up to him. They will be rewarded with high positions. Revelation 13 verse 11 and 12 tell us that Antichrist will have the backing of a religious leader. This is what it says. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns. For those who just thought it was one beast, no, it's two of them. He had two horns like a lamb. That means he looked religious, had a, a religious presence about him, but he sounded like a dragon. In other words, his message were lies and satanic, deceiving. He exercises all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and compels the earth and those who live on it to worship the first beast. So the person that does it is the false prophet. We'll be talking more about him later. Now, what must be in place before the mark of the beast can even come? Because the reason why we're bringing this up is when COVID-19 hit people, many people were saying that the vaccination would contain the mark of the beast. That stuff was going around big time. Had a lot of people concerned. So this is what has to be in place first. The seven-year peace covenant with Israel and the surrounding nations must be in place. That's Daniel 9.27. This seven-year period is synonymous with what is known as prophetically as Daniel's 70th week. That has to be in place. The temple must be in place because that's where the abomination of desolation occurs. That's where he goes in, sits on the temple, calls himself God, erects his image in the most holy place, just as Antiochus Epiphanes did. Israel's sacrifices will have to be instituted and then taken away. Three and a half years, Antichrist will then break that covenant and discontinue Israel's sacrifices. Antichrist will then walk into the temple and declare himself to be God. That is known as the abomination of desolation. Jesus spoke about that in Matthew 24, 15. Alongside the beast, There must be the false prophet and the false prophet will be working miracles and all of that. We'll get to the false prophet next. So let's read the text about the false prophet. Beginning at Revelation 13 verses 11 through 14 from the NIV says, Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. And it had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven in full view of the people. Revelation 13. Glory to God. And 13. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on the behalf of the beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth and it ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast. So that the image could speak and cause as many who refused to worship the image to be killed. And it forced all people. Now the Antichrist doesn't do this. The false prophet does this. And he forced all the people, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or their forehead so that they would not, could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has inside calculate the number of the beast. What is the number of a man? And the number is 666 or Six, six, six. So now let's talk about this mark. The mark of the beast. The word mark comes from the Greek word shiragma. It denotes an engraved, etched, or branded, or inscribed mark or a sign. It can be used for an inscription or a stamp, for example, an imperial stamp on decrees. The impress on coin gives it the more general sense of money. That defini- definition comes from the theological dis- dictionary of the New Testament. So this is what you have to know about the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast will be the best economic system the world has ever known. Paper money, Identity theft, lost credit cards, all th- will all be things of the past. We'll not, and, and the thing is, it's not going to come off as being evil. See, th- we have to understand how the enemy works in this world. It's not going to look wicked. It's going to look like what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So, in order, so in order it will not come off as being evil, but it'll it'll seem to be the right thing to do. In order to partake in the promised prosperity of the beast's global economy, one will have to worship the Antichrist as God and take his mark to buy or sell. The world will be astonished at the Antichrist and support his economic prosperity. So now when we see him in Revelation as the beast, this monstrosity, that's because we're getting heaven's view of him. He will be an attractive human. He will have a mother and father, go to high school, graduate from college, all that. He'll have all that political statement stuff going on. He'll have all of that. He'll have a regular name. His his first name is not Antichrist and his last name is not going to be beast. You know, that's what the Bible calls him through the lens of God's holiness, looking at him. He is called a ravenous Therion, a beast. What the mark, you know, so we're going to look at what the mark of the beast could be. The Greek word implies something graven or etched will probably be some form of tattoo, but we're not sure. You know, tattoos are very popular today. Everybody getting tattoos, right? Mm -hmm, Be real popular. Now, a computer chip under the skin would not be visible. Antichrist's totalitarian regime will require open conformity. He's not going to want no secret people that's in his kingdom, he's going to want to mark them to where they're identifiable. Glory to God. So the mark of the beast will be an unmistakable open profession of allegiance to him. In a sense, people will be wearing their international ID card on their right hand or their forehead. A chip technology may indeed be used But the beast will want people to be visibly mark people as a pledge of allegiance and and identifying a person that they are citizen of his kingdom. Now, mark technology, ladies and gentlemen, already exists. The technology of marks, we use them now. A good example of mark technology to facilitate electronic transactions are things like QR codes. You ever seen a QR code? It's a mark. But here's the interesting thing about QR codes. These marks do not have anything electronic components directly connected to them. They don't have no chips, no wires, no antennas, no cards, no cords, it's just a mark. I, got a, I have a QR code on the back of my business card. It's a QR code. We use them all the time. I'm not saying QR codes is the mark of the beast. I'm just saying the mark technology exists now. It already is here. So now QR codes are interesting because you can put them on anything. A box, a bag, anything. No chips, no wires, no not plug them in. They are absolutely meaningless until they are scanned. And once you scan them, then you are connected to a database. So you don't have to go around with a chip. All you need is a mark that's identified to you. And we have them now. In China, they do not use money anymore. They, they said most of the you know what? do you know what they use in China? They use QR codes on their cell phones. That's how they buy everything. They went right over. see see, we're, we're, we're kind of hooked on credit cards here in America. China hopped right over that. They, they, don't, they don't use cards over there. What they use is QR codes. Everybody has a QR code. So now we see the mark technology exists. Again, I'm not saying that the QR code that you have right now is the mark of the beast. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the technology exists already. And with QR codes, just like your social security number, you have the same number. It's been with you all of your life. We already have numbers, each one. When I was coming up, you used to have to go to the Social Security office and actually get a Social Security number. Now, when you're born, they give them to you in a hospital. You come in the world with a number. These systems and technology, they already exist. So, who will get the mark of the beast? That's what we want to know. Revelation 13 and 8, this is what it says. And all the inhabitants of the will worship the beast, all those whose names have not been written in the land's book of life. So that means even during that time, there's going to be saved folks whose names are written in the land's book of life who are simply not going to get the mark of the beast. Everybody's not going to get it. The Bible tells us right here that those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, slain from the foundation, of the creation of the world, God says they're not going to get it. Why? Because they belong to me. This is interesting. In Revelation uh, 17, 8, again, it says from the NIV, it says in the heavens of the name of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the creation of the world will be astonished. When they see the beast because it once was. Now is not and yet will come. Revelation 17.8 tells us. Those whose names have not been written. In the last book of life when the beast comes. They will be astonished. They will be mesmerized by him. But not God's people. How many know that God has protection. On his people. Now. Now. The mark of the beast, ladies and gentlemen, is a specific sin that can only be committed once in human history. It is a unique sin under the conditions that Jesus said have never been since the beginning of the world, no shall ever be, by a unique antichrist under unique conditions. Only one time in history can this sin be committed. So taking the mark of the beast would be a specific sin that can only be committed once in human history. During a period the Bible declares has never been since the beginning of the world, nor shall ever be. The Antichrist is a unique dictator. The worst the world will ever see who rules during the most horrible period in human history. And commits the worst abomination and blasphemy, leading the world into the greatest rebellion against God. This will be a specific sin done under specific conditions that can only be done one time in history. So since that's the case, since taking the mark of the beast will be a specific specific sin under specific condition, God issues a specific commandment against that particular sin. And he clearly states the penalty. To ensure people get the message, ladies and gentlemen, do you know what God does? God sends an angel to the earth and warns people not to get the mark of the beast. Now, you're talking about the grace of God still going forth at this time. Let's look at the passage. Revelation 14, verses 9 through 11. Then a third angel followed and said with a loud voice, if any man worships the beast and his image and receives his mark in their forehead or in their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be. Tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of holy angels and of the lamb and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. And there will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast is image or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. And to make sure the world gets the message, God sends an angel. To herald this out to the world. Now, it's advantage in sending angels, right? Here's the advantage. Antichrist won't be able to stop him. The beast won't be able to stop him. The angel will not need an interpreter. Every language on the planet will be able to understand. Remember on the day of Pentecost, how when they were speaking in other tongues, they came, everybody in that, they all heard the same message in their own tongue. God doesn't need an interpreter. He can speak just, he can just send an angel to speak. We'll all understand the angel. We're talking about the power of God here Even during this time God not wanting people to go to hell forever He said because if you do this You are going to go to hell No questions asked No second chance You get that mark, you're going So to make sure everybody gets the message He doesn't leave that to a preacher He doesn't leave that to humans He doesn't leave it to TVN or Daystar. What he does is he sends an angel and lets him do it. Now, this is magnificent information. Listen to what Dr. John MacArthur says about this. The third angel would deliver his warning with a loud voice so that all will hear and understand his message. God, being perfectly holy and righteous, judges people because of what they reject, what they know to be true. That's why everyone sentenced to hell will be without excuse. Now, we need to talk about the tripart reality of the beast. The tripart reality of the beast. First of all, the Antichrist is a man. He'll have a mother, father, be born. Have birthdays, go to school. Do all the stuff that anybody else does. He'll be a human. The Bible said, this is what it said, the man of sin will be the final dictator. He is called, this is why the Bible calls him the man of sin, because he's a human. He's called the son of perdition. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three. He will sit on God, the throne of God, in the temple, and call himself God. That's what he's going to do. He will speak great blasphemies against God. Why? Because he got a mouth. He got a big mouth. He got a blasphemous mouth because he's a human who's, who's blaspheming God. And his political agenda, one of them is going to be to make war with the saints. He ain't going to like Christians at all. Either uh, or uh, Messianic Jews. He's going to hate Israel and Christians. But the beast is also, instead of a human, the beast is also a kingdom. Okay? Revelation 16.10, this is what it says. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. So the beast is a kingdom. That's why the, the, when John first saw him rising out of the sea humanity, he had seven heads. Those seven heads are ten mountains or can't tell, seven kingdoms and ten horns, which are ten kings. Look at what it says in Revelation 17:12. Uh, it says, the ten horns you saw are ten kings. Ten kings who have not received a kingdom yet, but for one hour they receive authority as kings along with the beast. So the kingdom of the beast will consist of a ten nation confederacy. Glory to God. Ten kings. They're all going to give him this, their, their power. He's going to assume their roles and then take over. Glory to God. That's what the Bible says. Now, this is the third aspect of the beast. The third aspect of the beast is this, ladies and gentlemen. Revelation chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. The angel is having a conversation with John. John has seen so many things. Now he's starting to get boggled, and so the angel stops him and said, then the angel said unto me, why are you astonished? I will explain the mystery of the woman and the beast that she has, rides, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. He says the beast which you saw, listen to this, once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss. And go to its destruction. And the inhabitants of the world. Of the earth. Whose names have not been written in the book of life. from the creation of the world. Will be astonished. When they see. The beast. Because it once was. Now is not. And yet. Will come. So this gives us. Another aspect of the beast. He's a man. He's a ten-nation conglomeration, confederation, but he also comes out of the abyss. The question is, what is the abyss? So I've prepared a little chart here. This a uh, uh, picture of... Uh, uh, Robert Kane is his name. He's an actor. He was in the Omega Code. anybody ever see that movie? The Omega Code years ago. He played the Antichrist. And so now, when me and my wife ever see him in the movie, he like, "Oh, baby, they go the Antichrist now." Yeah. <laughs> so the Antichrist is a man. He is a kingdom, and he is also a demonic principality comes out of the abyss. So now we have to find out what is the abyss or a bottomless pit? The word abyss in the New Testament is the abode of imprisoned demons. Myriads of demons will be let loose during the period of the tribulation. That's the definitions from the New Ungers Bible Dictionary. I'm not giving you any Dennis Woods here. This is all theological. From the AMG, Comprehensive Dictionary of New Testament Words, look at what it says. The beast will ascend out of the bottomless pit. Literally of the abyss. Then he gives it two references: Revelation eleven seven and Revelation seventeen eight. The bottomless pit, deep the abyss, is reserved for some fallen angels. Then it has Luke eight thirty one. Just real quick. Remember the a demon at Gadara? He had all them demons in him, acting crazy, running around, cutting himself in the wilderness. He came up and seen, Jesus said, what would, what would you have to do in this? Jesus said, what, what is your name? They said, legion, because we be many devils that offer went to him. Then they begged him not to command them to go off into the deep. That's what it says in the King James Version. Well, the King James kind of lets us down there because the word deep there is abusos. Abusos is the abyss or the bottomless pit. The demons were saying to Jesus, Jesus, it's not time for us to go to jail yet. Jesus said, okay, but you got to come out of him. They said, fine, can we take the pigs? Remember in our very, very first lesson, we talked about the days of Noah, how the fallen angels came down. Not only did they corrupt human beings, they corrupted animals too. That's why these demons saw the animals, the herd of swine. They said, pigs are work. We got to come out of him, we'll take the pigs. Jesus said, go here. Got to come out of him, no. And he allowed them to stay into the region, in the region. It wasn't time for them to be locked up yet. And that's why they appealed to Jesus, have you come to send us to the abyss before it's our time? Interesting. So now, we have to look, see how the abyss functions. In Revelation chapter 20, Verse one. Next slide. It says, "Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand." That tells you something right there. There's an angel. There's an angel that has a chain, and he's got the key to the bottomless pit. Unless you know it's locked, okay? And a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon. The serpent of old. Who is the devil and Satan. And bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him. Into the abyss. And shed it. Sealed it over him. So that he would not deceive the nations. Any longer. Until the thousand years were completed. After these things. He must be released. For a short time so now this tells us something about the abyss now look at verse number 7 in that next verse it says and when the thousand years are completed Satan will be released from his prison Ah, that's what the abyss is it's a prison for demonic principalities it's a prison for fallen angels. And so when the Lord returns back to rule in the millennium, the reason one of the reasons we're going to have peace is because the devil is going to be incarcerated in the abyss where well, he and the abyss is so it's so impregnable. You can't escape from it. You can't get out of it. He can't even deceive from it. It'll be like the devil doesn't even exist. He is thrown into a place called the bottomless pit. Now, If Satan himself, next slide, can be bound, restrained with chains by one angel. Now listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. We're not talking about a legion of angels. We're not talking about 20 angels. We're not talking about 10 or even three or two. God has one angel, one. That's all he needs. If Satan himself Who is the principality and power? He's the most evil thing in the universe. All wicked spirits fall under his realm. He is at the top. So if Satan himself can be bound with chains by one angel, then so can any other fallen demon. If Satan himself can be cast into the bottomless pit for a predetermined amount of time, then so can any other fallen angel or demon. If Satan can be rendered completely powerless when incarcerated in the abyss so can any other demon. If Satan can be locked up in the bottomless pit without the chance of escape or any so can any other demon. If Satan must be released before he can leave the abyss the place called a prison then so must any demon. This is the same place the demonic aspect of the beast ascends from. So all of the above applies to that demon as well. Because that's where he comes from. The Bible says the beast that y'all saw us, he was and is not and shall ascend from the bottomless pit. In other words, he's locked up. And as long as he's locked up, next slide. As long as he is locked in the bottomless pit, ladies and gentlemen, and the human is not on the scene. So what I have here got a little slide here. On the left, that's the beast with seven heads and ten horns. The beast must ascend from the bottomless pit before he can possess his human counterpart, the human aspect of the Antichrist. Once he is possessed, By this spirit, once it's let out the abyss, that's when he breaks the covenant with Israel, walks into the temple of God, and calls himself God. See, there's a reason why he goes from a peace advocate trying to bring all the nations together and surround peace and, and letting Israel have their temple and letting Israel have their sacrifices, and then all of a sudden he just changed. He just wake up when he get off. the he, he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, not exactly. Right in the middle of the week, the beast that's in the bottomless pit, the demonic principality, will be loosed. He would then take. Possession of his human counterpart. Now it is often said that the Antichrist is possessed by Satan. The Bible does not say that. The Bible never said that. He's the devil's son and he comes and do like, you know, like a thing with the Holy Spirit and Mary. That, no, 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 no. Those are, all, those are all theoretical things that people just say, okay? The beast that possesses him is the one that's locked up in the abyss. And so that's how this all happens. So now, the question is, when we get to other parts of the New Testament, of what's restraining the Antichrist? The Bible points a vivid picture of the Antichrist and the beast. We understand what the Bible says about the Antichrist's actions, his character, how long he has to do it and from where he ascends and where he ends up. We get his whole career right there in Revelation. However, there's going, there is a big debate and an issue that has stumped theologians and expositors, scholars alike for centuries and even to this day. The problem is caused by what the Apostle Paul did not say and that's where the Controversy line. Second Thessalonians chapter number two, verse number five. Paul says, Do you not remember while I was still with you? I was telling you these things. And you know what restrains him now. He's talking about the Antichrist. So that in his time, he can be revealed. Now, the interesting thing about the word revealed here, it doesn't mean when somebody shows up or when you kind of like identify him. The word is apocalypto. Apocalypto is a compound word. It's got a prefix, APO, and that means to reverse the action. So apocalypto means to uncover or take off the cover. That's what Paul is implying here. He is not implying, oh, when you first see him, he's already going to be on the scene. But what's going to happen is in the middle of his time, he's going to be unveiled as something else. You see, when he goes to Israel, sets up with the peace treaty with Israel and Saudi Arabian and Jordanians and Palestinians and the Syrians and Iranians and all the other Islamic nations. When he does that, he doesn't walk in and say, hey, y'all, I'm God. No, he's a statesman who comes in and has great political skills. His time as the beast doesn't start, according to Revelation, He only has 42 months. 42 months means three and a half years. He's not the beast the entire seven years. He's only the beast the last half. And that's when the clock starts. This is why Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, Spoken up by Daniel, Daniel the prophet. He doesn't say when you see the temple being built. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say when the covenant is signed. He doesn't say that. He says when you see the abomination of desolation. That's the indicator that Antichrist the beast has started his reign. He only has 42 months. And so, Paul, going back to this passage, do you not remember when I was with you? I was telling you these things. So now Paul is letting us know, you know, we have a first Thessalonians and a second Thessalonians. Some believe there was, should have been a third Thessalonians. And Paul made different trips back and forth to these places. But when he was with them prior to writing this second epistle, he already told them what was going on with all of this. The reason why we know that is because of the fifth verse. He says, do you not remember while I was still with you, I was telling you these things. He says, and now you know what restrains him, him there being the antichrist, so that he may be revealed. For 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 so that in his time he may be revealed. Remember, it's important to understand, Antichrist only has a certain time to be revealed, a certain time in history, during a certain period called Daniel's 70th week, during a 42-month reign. That's all the time he gets. So he can't be revealed before the time. And that's one of the reasons why the demons... In Luke 31, that's the first thing they ask Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? Because they're all aware of the end. You know, I used to be a federal corrections officer at MCC downtown on Van Buren. And uh, when I was there, I used to work the segregation unit. Segregation unit, those inmates only came out one hour every 24 hours. They were very, very aware of their out time. And if you were late, one minute, giving them their federally mandated time, this federally mandated, they would sue you. They would take you to court. They'd file a writ on you. You'd end up in court over not letting them out of their cell on time. You have to give them their time. They were aware of their out time. And if you didn't give it to them, they would have a fit about it. These demons are very aware of their time in the abyss and out of the abyss. When they're allowed to be free, they stay in their territories. And that's why Jesus allowed those demons to stay and allowed them to stay with the pigs. And that's why he did that, because they're aware of their time. So let's look at this again. He says, do you not remember I was with you when I told you these things? And now you know what restrains him so that he's in his time, he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness do us already work. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, look at it. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then the lawless one can be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Next slide. Now, next week, we're going to do a survey of the rapture positions, and we're going to look at one of the most glorious group of saints that the Bible has ever known. And they're actually the tribulation saints. We're going to learn some very interesting things about them, and we're going to look at all of this. But let's look at the first bullet point. The most popular rapture theory did not use any of the information Concerning the beast that ascends from the bottomless pit. Instead, they chose another restrainer. We're going to take a look at that next week. Base, and then, based on that restrainer, identified a sequence of rapture events. So, the rapture is going to happen, no problem. That's, that's going to happen. But we want to learn how that could possibly have an impact. On millions of Christians worldwide, if the rapture positions that we embrace now do not pan out. I always say a pre-trib is right and we're going before the tribulation. Hallelujah. There's no problem with that. But ladies and gentlemen, what if our scholars miss something? So then the book of Revelation takes on a whole nother character. And the information about that last group of saints becomes very important. So next week we're going to look at how Revelation deals with this last group of believers and the blessedness of those that remain faithful to Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand praise. <laughs> glory, Lord! to God. At this time, we're going to bring your pastor.
0: Well, praise the Lord. Uh, let's give Dr. Woods a good God bless you. He did an outstanding job.